got flown by. Um, let me let's start out uh, with this message today. If, if you're watching this by via Facebook, uh, man, welcome. We want to welcome you. Thanks for watching. We are actually working on um, making our Facebook Live experience better. Uh, we we're going to try to have it up and running this morning, uh, but due to some technical difficulties, we're still by a phone, which we love because they can let you be a part of us. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, oh, who, who, who in here would say, Pastor, Ke pa Pastor Kelly, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen. I'm blessed. Amen. All right, now, who would say, you know what? I would like to be even more blessed. Yeah. I've got my hand up in there. Come on. So y'all trying to be so spiritual. Though. <laughs> How many would say you would like to be even more blessed than you are? I would. I would love to be even more blessed. And we are blessed. I believe as we go into the holiday season, uh, if we want to live a blessed life, if we want 2020 to even be more blessed, there are a couple of keys to living a blessed life. And you say, well, PK, what's up with the title here? Today's message, if you've got the bulletin, you'll see that. Uh, well, I'm glad you asked. Because here's the thing, if you want to be more blessed, if you want to live a more blessed life, you need to know this. Our jobs are not just 
what we have to go to to make a living. But they bring us joy. When we're people of gratitude, church is not just something you have to go to. Are you with me? Gratitude. Turn on me to Luke chapter 17 if you got a Bible. I'll read a story that a lot of you are familiar with. If you're not, and that's okay. We're going to walk through this together. But this is a, a, one of the best, best stories in the Bible that shows the difference between gratitude and not gratitude. Is the right word. Uh, Luke 17, verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it on screen. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had left the sea met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have pity on us. That word pity does not do justice what these men were saying. The Greek word there that's translating the pity actually means show us compassion. Show us mercy. Because when we think of pity, we think, oh, they're saying, no, no. We need compassion. We need, we, we need mercy. Why were these men so desperate? Here's what you need to understand about that time with leprosy. Any wife, any children, any career, any family, any life period that they had had up to the moment where they contracted leprosy was no more. It was no more. Uh, uh, they, they, everywhere they went, if they were approaching a town, if they were approaching a group of people, by law, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean, so that anyone could stay and keep their distance from these guys. So understand, when they were saying, show us mercy, show us grace, man, they're saying, listen, we have been, we have lived, we've been living a life full of rejection. No hugs, no handshakes, no more family get-togethers. Nothing. It's unclean. So, so when they're, they're desperation, they're saying, Jesus, they've heard about this guy. Master, have mercy on us. Show us compassion. And Jesus does. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were clean. Cleansed. How many lepers were there? Ten. 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 How many were cleansed? Ten. All ten. Now let's read on. One of them, when he saw him, was healed came back praising God in a loud voice. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And so Jesus asked the Samaritan a question. He says, hey, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Ten lives transformed. Ten lives Who's once they had a life, uh, if they ever had a hope uh, of a great, it was no more, but it was restored. Uh, ten, ten lives had cried out for Jesus for mercy and, and for compassion, and they were cleansed. But only one of the ten came back to thank Jesus. I don't know about you, but if, if, if there's one out of ten, I want to be the one. Yes. If there's one out of ten that's coming back to thank Jesus, I want to be the one. I don't want to be the other nine. I want to live a life of gratitude. So how do we do that? The first thing, you want to live a life of gratitude, we've got to do is this. Recognize that every good thing I have is a gift from God. Every good thing I have is, is a gift from God. We've got to understand that. We've got to declare that. Look what James 1.17 says. 
Pretty much the same thing. Every good, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. We need to understand every good thing I have is a gift from God. And you may say, because I can hear, but, well, uh, PK, I work for what I have. I've earned this. And so, you know, you said it's a gift from God, but I, I work for what I have. And there may be truth to that. But here's the thing. You need to understand the ability that you have to make a living. The yes. gifts you've been given to make a living, they're from God. That's right. Yes. They're from God. Every, God every, everything, everything that God gave you, God is the giver of good, good gifts. Look at this. Noah. What about Noah? God gave Noah a plan for an ark. Then he gave him the ability to build it. And that ended up saving Noah's family. God gave David a stone and the ability to kill Goliath. God gave a young teenage girl, Mary, the faith to say yes and give birth to the Savior of the world. God gave the wise men a star to lead them. God gave us the Savior of the world wrapped up in a blanket. God gave us his Holy Spirit to comfort us, convict us, guide us, and counsel us. God gives us his word to direct us. Every good thing we have comes from God. Comes from God. When we really get that inside of us and understand every good thing I have is a gift from God. We go from having a, a, an attitude of entitlement to an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of I deserve, I deserve, to an attitude of man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. So you want to have a little heart, a life of gratitude, understand every good thing you have is a gift from God. Secondly, we have this attitude. I will not let my wants rob me of what I have. Here's the thing. I know we all want different things. A better job. Better car. Nicer house. Nicer clothes. A better spouse. No, no, it's today. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some of y'all are like, oh, yes. No. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not saying that it's wrong to want those things. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But we cannot allow our wants to rob us of what we have right now. Right. Look what Ecclesiastes 6 9 says. It says, it's enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Yes. I'm telling you, it's better to embrace what God has given you than always be out and searching for, for the next big thing. Yeah. What has God given you? If we can get this attitude of gratitude inside of us, we'll find that that gratitude turns whatever we do have into enough. Mm -hmm. that, that's what gratitude. I heard a guy say like he said, it, it's not people, or it's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Why? Because they're enjoying what they do have instead of always whining about what they don't have. Mm -hmm. Come on, are you with me? Mm -hmm. so think, think about what you do have just for a moment. I'm talking about the normal person that attends Watts Park Church. Most of you have, uh, have more than enough to eat, right? Mm -hmm. You have food on the table. Most, almost everybody has got a bed that you slept in last night. Roofs over your head. Almost everybody has at least one pair of shoes to wear, right? We are blessed. What we have, compared to other people in this world, we are blessed. In fact, I, I'm a firm believer that everyone needs to go to the third world country on a mission trip. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. I'm a firm believer. I, I, I remember when we used to go to a lot to Mexico, Kim still goes. And you go over there and you see these kids and these adults that have nothing, literally nothing, but yet this joy in their heart. This joy, this gratitude. You give them a piece, one piece of candy and their world lights up. You come in there, help clean up a playground for them, play some soccer with them. Their world lights up. Why? Because they're not letting what they would want rob them of what they have right then. They're grateful people. They have so little, yet they have so much. I'm telling you, Paul said this in Philippians 4. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I'm in want. What's the secret, Paul? Tell us the secret. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen. Paul said, I've learned to be content. How? Because I've learned this one fact, this one truth, that if I've got Christ, I've got everything I need. If I've got him, I've got everything I need. When you get to that place, when when when, when you I tell you, it is a huge blessing where you can say, whether I have a lot, whether I have little, little. Well, what, what matters is that I've got him. He is what matters most. He is what satisfies me. And he is what I need. I'm telling you guys, don't allow what you want to rob you of what you have. And so the third thing. We've got to get this happening. I will turn every blessing into praise. Every blessing. As an individual, I will turn every blessing I get back into praise. As a church, we've got to get to that point. Every blessing, we're going to turn back into praise. Every, if we get blessed, we're going to turn it into an act of worship. A time to celebrate. Uh, check out Psalm 63, 4 5. I love the, the, the passion uh, version of this. It's, Daily, I will worship you passionately with all my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. David said, I will praise you. Why? Because you are more than enough. You satisfy me. You are what I need. You satisfy my soul like nothing else in this world. So for that reason, every good thing I get, I want to turn it back to praise. What does that look yes. like, Kelly? Every good thing, everything, every blessing turn back to praise. That means, God, I thank you for my family. Even the ones that get on my ever-loving nerves. <laughs> Come on now. We've all got those. Let me all sit next to them right now. Uh, God, I think Sean raised his hand. I don't know if you're talking about Kim or if you're talking about Dad. <laughs> God, I thank you for my friends. God, I thank you for my health. God, I thank you for my church, my church family. God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head, food on my table. God, I thank you that I'm able to live another day of life. Thank you. I thank you, God, for your unending, relentless, reckless love and mercy that you pour out. Come on. Anybody thankful for that? Sometimes y'all make me wonder if we changed over to Methodist or something. <laughs> supposed to be charismatic, Pentecostal. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank you, God. Look at what the 
psalmist says in, in uh, chapter 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He yes. forgives all my sins. Anybody grateful for that? Yeah. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. How many need that? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Boy, I, we were down in Birmingham. Zion had a show down in Birmingham Thursday night. And we're sitting there, and of course, this, the show starts at 8 o'clock. That's 9 o'clock hour time. And I look at this, I said, I'm too old for this. <laughs> it's, I'm an hour out from my bedtime, and then I'm sitting there driving home. I'm too old for this. But he renews. He renews our strength. I, listen, I'm not going to be one of those that forget all he's done for me. Right. Because I'm constantly looking at what I think he should have done for me. Come on. Yes. No, I, I can see what he's done for me. I can see that he's forgiven me of my sins over and over and over again. That he's healed me. That he has redeemed me from death. And he fills my life with good things. God has been good to me, church. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody yes. else in here? Yes. Yes. Amen. So I'm going to turn every blessing into praise. First key to a blessed life is gratitude. The second key, the second key thing to a blessed life this is one everybody's really going to enjoy. A heart of generosity. Now, as soon as the pastor preacher says generosity, I know this church, that's all I want is my money. Can I tell you this? I don't want anything from you. Man, I don't, y'all have heard me say this before, I want something for you. Right. I want you to walk in the obedience that Christ said. And, and if that's your argument, I don't go to church because that's all they wanted my money. That doesn't stop you from going to Walmart or to the movies or shopping. <laughs> I'm not going to Walmart. All they want my money. You're not wrong. <laughs> I know I'm not. It's just hard to praise. It's hard to worship when conviction is hitting you. I love to worship. I'm crying. But the thing is, I don't want God. Can I tell you, God doesn't need your money. Right, right. That's right. But we need what God can do with our 10% that we can't. That's right. Amen. We need the ability to trust Him Amen. like never before. I'm getting off. I'm, I'm getting away from it. You know, we say, again, how many, how many would like to be more blessed than what you are? Yeah. Look, look what Jesus said. This is crazy. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's Jesus. According to Jesus, if you want to live a more blessed life, it is more blessed to give. That doesn't that sound backwards? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Let me tell you, there have been several occasions where Denise and I have been out to eat. And when we got ready to pay our bill or got ready to go up that's the, the waiter or waiter and say, hey, your, your ticket's already been paid for. Now I won't lie to you. I love when that happens. <laughs> The only problem is, I wish I'd known that I don't want to stay. <laughs> no, come on. That's why if I take y'all, I tell you, I never tell Ben before that I'm going to pay for his because I know he's going to order big. <laughs> but, yeah, he's going to order big anyway. But I, and I love when that happens, but I can tell you, and my wife will tell you this, the people that know me, there have been more than one occasion where we've been out 
And I see somebody and God says, get their meal. I, I, we were down, I, I was down here with Gus by myself uh, a couple months ago and it struck up a conversation with this UPS driver in there. Didn't know him. And, uh, and just began to talk and talk with him. And I got up to pay and I told the lady, I said, I want to take care of his meal. He didn't know I did it. I never saw him again. But you know, inside I was like, man, that felt good. Right. Why? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's just, it, it feels good to be able to do those things. Look what Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says. One person gives freely. You would think if they're giving freely, they're going to run out. But one person gives freely that gains even more. Another one withholds unduly. In other words, they don't give because uh, hey, I, I need what I've got. Another one, another one withholds unduly that comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You ever, this not even, I know, did you ever notice you can be around certain people and when you leave them you feel refreshed because they imported you? And then you can be around some others, others and it's like you've been around a vampire because they've sucked the life out of you. Yes. Come on. This is those who, who refresh others will himself be refreshed. The message says it like this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You want to live a more blessed life? Want to be more blessed? Be generous. Paul pretty much said the same thing in 2 Corinthians. He said this, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's using farmer language because he knows who he's talking to. He knows the people he's talking to. He, he says, you know, you want, you want a little harvest? Put a few seeds in the ground. That's all you're going to get. You want a big harvest? Put a lot of seeds in the ground. It goes, it goes on. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a what giver? Cheerful. Cheerful giver. The Greek word there for cheerful literally means hilarious. <laughs> When they take up the offering. <laughs> I can't believe I get to do it again. But if when we do that, hey, you know it's time for the offering. There's a couple people trying. Everybody else. Come on now. I believe when we say, hey guys, you know what? It's time for us to, to give you the opportunity to give in the offering. It all explode in here. Yeah. Whoa! I get to give again. God has been so good to me this yeah. week. I get to give. I'm alive another day. I'm breathing another day. I ate every day this week, probably six times a day. God has been good to me. That's what it all means. Did you know in the Old Testament, they would throw parties and have feasts that were centered around giving offerings? They would say, hey guys, this week we're going to have a big feast. Why? Because God has blessed us so much. We're just going to gather together and celebrate with giving. Paul says God loves a cheerful, a hilarious giver. You've heard the saying, give until it hurts. I believe as followers of Jesus, we ought to learn to give until it feels good. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. Give until it feels good. And can I tell you this? I'm not just talking about financially. 
I'm talking about being generous with our time, our abilities, what we have to offer, being generous. And let's go on verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, not all you want, all you need, you will abound in every good work so that in all things and in all what? Times, even during a recession, even when things are not going good, even when you see everybody else, in all times, having all you need. Look, let's jump down to verse 11. He says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You'll be enriched in what way? Come on, what way? Again, he's not just talking about finances. If you limit the blessings of God to finances, you're underestimating the blessings of God. He says you will be enriched in every, every way. What does in every way mean? Yes, it could be financial. It could be. It could be materialistic. But what about being enriched relationally? What about in being enriched with a better, stronger marriage? What about being enriched with a great relationship with your kids? What about being, uh, being enriched with friendships that will last forever? What about being enriched physically? What about spiritually or emotionally? He said you will be enriched in every single way. Not so that you can get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Is that what he said? No, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And so that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Can you imagine if we came, became such general, generous people that our generosity was, was heard about all over the place? I, I, I mean, I, can, can I be, I'm proud of our church. I'm proud of what we do here at Watts Park Church. I'm proud of James Lacombe and his hands outreach and the ministry they do uh, to the homeless. Last week, they were in Knoxville handing out warm clothes, uh, coats, blankets, and food. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the way our church gets behind the Christmas give back. And, and with everything that's been given, man, I, we're going to prevail, provide for somewhere between eight to ten families that won't have Christmas if, if it weren't for us. I'm, I'm glad of that. I, I, I'm proud of the way you get behind every need. Just this week, we were our church was able to provide uh, groceries for a family that, that wouldn't have anything on the table had it not been for your generosity. I can guarantee you, every coat that was handed out last week, people were thanking God for Watts Bar Church so they didn't know who it was. Every child that's going to open up a gift this Christmas that wouldn't have gotten them will be giving thanks to God because of what Watts Bar Church has done. Right. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Your generosity, it says. And so it will result in thanksgiving to God. I'm telling you, can I be very honest for a moment, though, church? It, if I'm being honest, and I understand I'm, I'm talking to the, just those that call this place home. There are only about 10% of this body that makes up for the rest of the body when it comes to God. Can I be honest? Yeah. 
Here's the truth. If everyone that called Watts Bar Church home tied and gave in the offering like God tells us to do, we would be able to provide for even more homes. Yeah. We would be able to provide more than for just 10 families. We would be able to provide food for a lot more homes. I mean, if everyone in this church began to tithe and giving. And, and so I, if we know that, we know if Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive, I have to ask, why are not more people generous? Or another way of saying it, why are not more people blessed? Why are not more people blessed? And I think it comes down to three different mindsets that we're going to close with today. Three different mindsets when it comes to generosity. I bet you didn't get these, Tim. Tim always tries to go ahead and fill out my nose. <laughs> the bag mindset. Never enough. There are people, even in this room, that have the bag mindset. I would love to give, but I just never have enough to give. Look what Haggai 1.6 says. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with hopes. Mm. The bag mindset. You fill up your bag with that weekly, that monthly income. And at the end of the month, it seems like there are holes in your bag. And no matter how hard you try, there's really not a lot left over. Whatever comes in, it's already gone out. You feel like any time you feel like you're starting to get ahead, something happens, something tears up, kids get sick, transmission goes out, hot water heater breaks. Come on. And it's like living with a bag, putting what you have in a bag with holes in it, and you think, I would love to be generous, but I just can't because everything that goes in the bag leaks out, and there's simply never enough. Do you know that one of Jesus' disciples had the bag mindset? Anybody know who it was? Judas. Do you remember the story when Jesus gets invited to this uh, prestigious the Pharisee's home, the elite Pharisee, and he goes in there and then this, uh, what the Bible calls an immoral woman comes in and begins to pour this expensive perfume. They say the value of that perfume was a year's wages to get support on Jesus' feet. And what does Judas do? Stop her. Do you realize how much that's worth? Here's the thing. <coughs> Judas was more concerned with what was in the bag than the fact that a life was being changed right in front of his eyes by meeting Jesus. He was more concerned with what was in the bag. Judas had such a bag mindset that he did, did what a lot of followers of Jesus do today. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Okay, that's kind of harsh, don't you think? Well, scripture tells us that the tithe belongs to God. It's His. And there's some of us that won't give today because we're more concerned about what's in the bag than we are about obeying, worshiping, and honoring God. I'm talking about my watch card. Like, again, if you're new, this is just for those that call this place home. Those that call themselves followers of Jesus. I would love to give, PK, but my bag's got holes in it. I would love to give, PK, but this Friday's Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> 
I need my money to go out and spread cheer to all the hateful people that have to try to beat out in line. That's the bag mindset. The second mindset, the basket mindset. More than enough. This is the person that believes, hey, God is more than enough in this situation. That knows I can trust God. That has the mindset, we have more than enough because I know God. And God is abundant more than enough God. Look at Deuteronomy 28. Says this, you will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading troughs will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. That's the mindset. My God is a more than enough God. Yes, That's the basket. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says this, Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Again, he's using farmer's terms here. Because what you need to understand, when Jesus was talking, there, when landowners or these farmers would come out, there was two different people that would pick up the grain in their field. You had the day laborers. These are the guys that work for a paycheck. They gather grain for a paycheck. And what they would do, they'd fill those baskets up, and they didn't do anything else. Because, they, hey, they had to carry this basket across the field. I'm getting paid hourly. I'm going to take it. And then you had those that were recipients of the beloved, the, what's the word? Benevolence of the master, of the landowner of that field. And what he would say is, listen, when everybody else is done, when my guys are done at the end of the day, those that weren't needy, those that didn't have a lot, those that couldn't afford it, he said, you go through the field and take what you want. And these are the ones that would go out and they would take that basket. They would fill it up. But then what they would do, they'd press it down, getting rid of all the air pockets in it, start shaking, then they would put more in there press it down, shake it up, put more. And then when they were going back home, they had it so filled that it was shaking out and running over. I don't know about you. I want to live with a mindset that, hey, I serve an abundance God. And what God has given me, hey, he it, press it down, shake it together, and it's going to be uh, running over. He is a God of abundance. Whether I have little in the bag or much in the bag, I want God to know, know this about me. Whatever is in the bag, little or much, he can trust me with it. Yes. He can trust me with it. There's this well-known story in the New Testament couple of these stories, in fact, about Jesus teaching. It gets a little long-winded, uh, but Jesus could get long-winded. Uh, but he's preaching, and they know, hey, it's gone all day, and we don't have anything to eat. Y'all know the story? Mm -hmm. He's got the little boy with the five loaves and two fish. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and this little boy comes up, and here's what the bag might say, because it says that, you know, estimates that there were somewhere between 15,000 people at that Here's what the bag mindset says. I can't help but y'all can bring y'all lunch. This is mine. This is all I got to last me today. You know, the basket mindset says, Jesus, you want it? Here. It's yours. And what you need to understand 
is this. When the little boy gave it to Jesus, when he had in the bag, it could feed only one person, him. But when he gave it to Jesus, and Jesus put it in the basket, it fed thousands. Yes. And here's what's neat about that story. That when, when you look at that story, is, is when they got there feeding everybody, there were 12 basketfuls left yes. over. Mm. And Jesus said, I am more than enough. Give me what's in the back, and I will show you I am more than enough. And we serve a more than enough God. See, Jesus didn't just say it's more blessed to give and receive. He exemplified it. He lived it. And I pray that as we close out 2019 and we head into 2020, that God is going to stretch our faith. That if you have a bag mindset right now, that God's going to give you a basket mindset. I pray that you will see that when you are faithful with a little, that He will give you more. And one day you're going to go, I have more than what I need. I'm going to bless others with it. I've been extremely blessed and I pray you're going to develop this heart of generosity and you're not going to think that, that the more he's given to you is all about you. But you're going to say, man, God has blessed me and it had nothing to do with me. It's so I can bless others and pour into others. The basket mind. Anybody want the basket mind said? Come on. I, I hope we have a church full. There's a third mindset though. The barn mindset. Beyond more than enough. If uh, uh, Bobby, come on out. What does the barn mindset look like? Anybody want to know? Yep. Let me try. Thank you, baby. I want this. <laughs> the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is. Anybody want that kind of life? Come on, anybody want that? Where your barns and everything you own, everything you put your hand to is blessed? Man, I want that. I want that. It starts with being faithful with what's in the back. Then being faithful with what's in the basket. And when you're faithful there, God, God says, I can trust them with barns. Bible is full of examples of this. Anybody remember Joseph in the Old Testament? His brothers were jealous of him, sold him into slavery, yet he remained faithful. He was falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison, yet he remained faithful. God then placed him in the palace, he remained faithful. A great famine came to the land, and because of his obedience and faithfulness to God, the Bible says he had barns overflowing. Not enough just to feed him the entire region. I believe God wants to do that for him. I believe God wants to do that for us, but here's the catch. God wants to know how much can I bless them with? How much can I trust them with? Are you going to be a bad person who never has enough? Or are you going to be a basket person are you going to be a fun blessing, overflow, be a blessing to others? Are you going to be so generous and faithful that you're that bond person? Jesus said this in Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little and what's in the back 
and also be trusted with knowledge. And whoever is dishonest with very little ones in the back will also be dishonest with much. In other words, if you can't be trusted with what you've got in the bag right now, why would we trust you anymore? Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I said this earlier, God doesn't need your money. What tithing does is it teaches us to trust God more than a paycheck. Yes. What tithing does is a test of our heart. Do I, do I trust this money? It's 10% more than I trust God. Do I believe that I can do more than 100% than God can do with 90? Teaches us. I, I, listen, I've heard the arguments uh, about tithing is an Old Testament. It's a law principle. I, I've heard the argument. I came across this Tim Keller, pastor, in his book, Counterfeit God, I love the way he explains tithing. He says, there have been times when people have come to me as their pastor and asked about tithing, giving away a tenth of their annual income. They notice that in the Old Testament, there are many clear commands that believers should give away 10%. But in the New Testament, specific quantitative requirements, he's very smart, he used to be working, for giving are less prominent. They often ask me, you don't think that now in the New Testament, believers are absolutely required to give away 10% of the you? Keller says, I shake my head no. And they give a sigh of relief. But then I quickly add, I'll tell you why you don't see the tithing requirement laid out clearly in the New Testament. Faith, have we received more of God's revelation truth and grace than the Old Testament believers or less. He says usually there's an uncomfortable silence. He says that I say, are we more debtors to grace than we were? Or are they are we more debtors to grace than they were they were or less? I say we're more. Tithing, he says, is a minimum standard for Christian believers. We certainly wouldn't want to be in a position of giving away less of their income than those who had so much less of an understanding of what God did to save them. Mm. He says, did Jesus tithe his wife and blood to save us or did he give off? I don't know about you, Pastor Church family, and as a pastor of this house, I don't want to be said, hey, I don't want God to look down and say, well, they're killing me, they gave the bare minimum. <laughs> I want God to look down and say, man, that is so faithful when it was in the back. Even when they didn't know where a paycheck was coming from. Even though they didn't know what was going to happen next, they were making faithful. And then when I began to give them baskets, Is understanding this 
this and my wife and my kids, those that know me, know this about me, I love to give. I, I absolutely love. I love to give gifts. I love to stand back and just, I, I want to see the reaction. I love to give. And I want God to say, I can trust God. What's our church? I want this to be a place that the normal church, the statistics for the average church are less than 10% of its own church actually times that come to place home. There is nothing about us that has ever been normal. I don't want to settle for normal when it comes to that. I want us to get to a place where we give so much. I don't have to say, Kim, uh, let's, we're kind of landed on how many families from the Ray County side, from the Decatur side, we can support this year with Christmas. I want to be able to say, I want to be able to say, you go find however many families that want to have Christmas. You go for English on this side, you go find those, and we're going to provide Christmas. I want to say that. I want us to be givers. We close out 2019. Going to 2020, my prayer is that we, we will become a people not just of gratitude, but of generosity. That we will begin to recognize that every good thing I have is a gift from God. So I'm going to turn that blessing into praise. And out of that blessing and out of that gratitude, I'm going to respond with a generous. opportunity and we're going to close out in worship and responding with generous hearts. And this is not being to try this. All I ask is you say, God, what do you want to today? I'm not trying to, to force you inside to say, you want to live a blessed life. Say, God, what do you want? Where do you want me? I'm going to ask your ushers to come on up to the front. Their worship team to come on up and get ready. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour Place home. God, what are you going to do? 